Hello, everybody. It's Allie Engren, and you are listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. I am taking on the reins today. I gave Samantha the week off, um, and I had the opportunity to sit with an amazing woman named Ginny Prem. And before I introduce her, I'm just going to kind of go into a little, a little history of how we got her to come on the podcast. So there I was sitting in the school sport pickup line when my friend reached out to me. She sent me a picture of a book called You Are My Favorite, A True Story. She said, you need to connect with this Minnesota local. Her name is Ginny Preem. You both have very influential podcasts, and it would be a perfect match to collaborate on one another's, as well as not only share her story, my story, but your story too, Allie. I sat there for a moment and felt insanely triggered. I knew exactly what this book was about. The question I had in my mind was, is this who I think it's about and she's just not telling me yet? I thought, Do I even want to share that time in my life? That time in my life when I hit rock bottom and lost my shit? These wounds are still open for me and I still get triggered. And the repercussions of this could come in like a huge tsunami for me and backfire on everything that I have worked my ass for, ass off for, excuse me. Was I ready for this, I thought. My friend has been known, the same friend, to drop these one-liners and tell me, just read this or just do this activity, fully knowing I needed all of the above and to figure it out in my own way. Stubborn is what the rest of the world seems to call it. So there I was in the pickup line waiting for my son. And I just knew before I read this book, I needed to reach out to this Ginny Preem. Who is she? I looked her up on Instagram and sent her a message. She responded immediately. She sent me her website and said, my first chapter is on here. Feel free to read it. And when we get together to record, I will bring you a copy of my book. Well, I went on to her website that night once my boys were in bed and I read the first chapter. It was a cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. I needed to know what happened next, so I bought the book straight away and had it overnighted to my house as I was leaving for vacation in like a day. Then I did the alley thing and went down a huge rabbit hole searching for who the heck this book was about because I needed to figure out if it was about him. Ginny is his type. He typically goes for somebody that looks like Ginny physically. I could totally see this being him. I laid there in bed that night, tossing and turning, looking at my husband with so much love as he was lying there peacefully sleeping, thinking, my life is so good right now. You guys have worked so hard to get here. You can't tell your story. You can't have her on the podcast. But then I sat there and I thought, Allie, everybody deserves to have a supportive partner like yours. You need to do this for the listeners and to help those who need to hear it, who are in these situations right now, so they too can feel strong enough to leave these situations. Be like Ginny, Allie, I told myself. Ginny's book came, and I read it from front to back in a little over 24 hours. I had a long drive back to Wisconsin Dells, and thankfully my husband loves to drive. He also loves when I don't backseat drive. So he was like, perfect. She has a good book, and I sat back and began to read. The chapters are short and to the point. I thought, huh, Ginny is my kind of gal. I can tell she is a D on the disc assessment like I am, but maybe even a bit more, which made me love her even more. I messaged my friend and said, okay, you need to tell me if you know who this is. Is it him? She said, 
Once you hear her story, we will go to lunch and then I will tell you mine. Aha! It clicked. This all makes so much sense, I thought. I connected the dots a little bit. Ginny and my friend, who I am keeping anonymous, are so much alike. And little did I know, there is way more to the story than I think even they thought. It's the day of recording and Ginny walks into the studio. She is as beautiful as her picture, with flawless skin and these piercing blue eyes. It's always a little awkward when we first have people into the studio, as we don't want to get everything out on the table, or we won't have as authentic conversations when we record. We've already talked about everything sometimes, so we like to keep it short and sweet and dive right into recording. I tell her my situation briefly and tell her that I applaud her for being brave enough to share her story, and I hope to share mine with as much grace as she shared hers and empower others who have been or are currently in a situation with a narcissist. Ginny wears a lot of hats. She is a master certified professional life coach, a published author, which you already know, a keynote speaker, a podcast host to the podcast Drinking with Gin, a doggy mama, and a bonus mama to two awesome kiddos. Ginny created Gin Path, which is the path she developed, tested, and implemented to help others growing through adversity. She quotes, We all face tough times and have that one story, the one that we may not think is big enough to share or manage through, but it's what we do with these stories that really matters. Ginny hopes to leave her audiences inspired to take the next step on their own path. Well, listeners, let's dive in and learn all about what happened to Ginny and how her life got turned upside down to working through it and turning it into post-traumatic growth. And I decide I open up a little bit about my own personal story too and learn that new phrase, post-traumatic growth, and come out stronger after this episode admitting that I was a victim, which was insanely hard for me to admit. But we always promise to stay authentic with you. So here we go. I hope you have so many takeaways and feel better walking away from this episode knowing you are not alone in this. Or if you haven't been in this situation, please share with someone who has so they are not, they know that they are not alone either. A narcissist does not just have to be a romantic partner. It can be a boss a business partner, a parent, a sibling, a friend. And in this episode, we will break that down as well too. So if you have not been in that romantic situation, maybe you need to look at other relationships in your life too. You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. With Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Welcome to the Twisted Sisters. This is Allie Engren, one of your co-hosts, and I am here today with Jenny Prem. And Jenny wrote an amazing book called You're My Favorite, A True Story. And I can't wait to dive in and talk about your life. So no introduction needed. Here we go. Tell us your story. What made you decide to write this awesome book? Oh my gosh, Ellie. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love your show. Um, You're a gem. I'm just thrilled to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, Okay, so where to start? I guess we start back at the beginning. Um, I never had any desire to be an author or write a book, but my story and what happened in my life really compelled me to start writing. 
if I think about the moment of when I started to think about writing a book and, and sharing my story, it happened in a clothing store where I shopped a lot and these girls were gossiping about my story and what I had just gone through. And of course, it was still fresh and it was pretty traumatic for me. And I was thinking, gosh, if people are talking about my story, and by the way, they weren't even talking about it accurately. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if people are that interested in talking about my life, maybe I should share it. Like if people want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But let's talk about it accurately and, and what really happened. Yes. Here's from my perspective and what actually happened. And that's why we started this podcast too, because there were so many things going around about both of us that we were like, hey, We'll, we'll share it all. Come, listen, yes. There's gossip. No, there is no shame <laughs> yes. in my game. And that is a big part of the reason why I wanted to share it is because I think oftentimes, especially as women, we go through these really difficult or adverse or trauma situations in our lives, but then we don't talk about it. And we walk around carrying this shame or guilt or stigma in our hearts and on our shoulders, and we don't need to do that. And so I really wanted to open up and and by doing that, I've been amazed at what has happened since the book came out. Yeah, I'm sure you are getting so many like this happened to me. And I mean, how many email forums do you get of anonymous people coming in and sharing their story with you? Well, so one of the things I anticipated to happen is that people would reach out and be like, oh my gosh, this happened to me, or I had a similar situation. What I didn't anticipate is the crazy number of women that have read my book and reached out and said, I'm also a victim of the actual real life Chad. Wow. Wow. And you were just talking to me about this new new site. And we kind of talked about that on our podcast a couple weeks back. But tell me a little bit about that site and what is going on on there. Yeah. So there's this private Facebook group that I got invited to. And I I declined it. Like I didn't want to go in there because I was like, ooh, this might just be really like toxic. And (laughs) I I don't know, I just don't want that energy in my life. But um, some of my other friends had shared with me that there was a photo of Chad shared. And within like a couple of days, there were 95 comments. I mean, crazy amounts. And then he was posted again a couple of days later. So my book made its way into that group. And then all of these women were sharing it with each other in private messages, like women that were supposed to be going out on dates with him, other women that have been dating him on and off for many years that had also been victimized by him. Women reaching out and saying to me, your book was the only reason I was able to tell him no. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Think of how many goosebumps. I just (laughs) got goosebumps. Like when I got that message, I was like, yes, like even, you know, I don't know why we do this to ourselves, but again, especially I think as women, we sometimes minimize the impact that we might be able to have. And when my book came out, I would say things like, man, if I could just help one person, I mean, but no, obviously I want to help millions of people, as many people as I possibly can by sharing my story. And your story might be crazy, eerily similar to mine. You might also be a victim of the real life Chad or a Chad, <laughs> or your story might be really different. And there might have been, th- there might be things in my book that you're like, oh man, like that stirred up this emotion or this feeling in me when this happened in my life. But really it's about what we do with what happens in our life. Right. Like my dad passed away and he was like my guy, but he always would say, you're the architect of your own destiny. I call them his dadisms. Like he always had these bad, like poorly timed, like kind of like a dad joke, like right. poorly timed sayings that you don't want to hear. But as you get older, you're like, oh yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. I have a husband who's a dadism. Like it's always a lecture. I'm like, honey, I don't need a lecture. Just hang the picture. <laughs> you don't need to tell me all about the tools that is being used. But like you said, like later on, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah that was smart. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And and how I think of that now, like you are the architect of your own destiny is we can't always control what happens, 
but we can control how we respond. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest part. So like if you've gone through or you're going through like a really difficult, dark or adverse time, or you go through a traumatic situation, that's really kind of what I love to talk about is post-traumatic growth. When these things happen, it's what we do with them. Right. And as shitty of a situation as this was that I went through, I mean, it has given me a whole new meaning and purpose in life. And that is really powerful. I love that word that you just used, post-traumatic growth. Because I think so many times you sit there and you just beat on yourself about it. Like, you don't want to play that. Like, I was the victim because who likes to be the victim? Nobody likes to be the victim. But you kind of were in a way. And how are you going to use that? Are you going to just sit and not go on with your life? No, you have to grow from it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually one of my big speaking platforms. So now I speak to audiences about like my story and their story and how sharing it can really bring us together and form community and culture and provide validation. And post-traumatic growth is really kind of what I like to speak about because it's a newer concept. A lot of people haven't heard about it. But also going back to what you said about being a victim, A lot of people don't want to be a victim, and I did not want to be classified as that, but you know what I was. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that being able to move forward is acknowledging it and accepting it Mm -hmm. to be able to move on. So, you know, I grew up kind of not talking about problems. That's just like what I grew up with. We don't talk about it. If there's an argument or a situation or something bad happens, we just kind of sweep it under the rug and Mm -hmm. never talk about it again. But... That first step of really acknowledging what happened is really important. You have to be able to face it in order to move forward. You absolutely do. And will you just kind of go into, like, we kind of just dove right into this. Like, tell us what really happened to you. So you met this man, Chad is what you call him, and that is not his real name, everybody. And I know you are very good at stating, like, none of the characters in this book are the real names except for yours correct and my doggies okay rest in peace yes my two but then there's also Francine who is my perfect little angel cavalier (laughs) king charles spaniel she's my daughter uh yeah so all the names have been changed um for protection you know of course for certain people and of course for legal reasons so um I'll just kind of go back to the beginning. It's like I was this single woman, really career focused, um, traveling all the time for work and getting to travel really great places for my for fun, too, with my friends and all these vacations. I always say just kind of picture the main character in like a Netflix series who's like career focused, like kind of just crushing, living life like that was me. Mm -hmm. Like I was so happy. I loved my life. And yeah, I dated here and there. But, um, you know, then Chad, I was introduced to Chad and I was really resistant at first. And part of the reason why I was so resistant is because he had two kids. Yes. And I had done that song and dance before and kids are lovely and wonderful. They are. But bringing someone else's kids into your life is a big undertaking. I'm a bonus mommy and it was a big, we both had them. So it was kind of like, okay, let's blend together. But it's still really hard because it disrupts your your daily life because they have a whole other house that they have other routines and responsibilities and yeah it's combining those those households for sure yeah I mean it changes your life so here I went from this you know single woman and I I tried to take things slow initially but he wanted to like it's the whole love bombing so if you're familiar with love bombing this is a tactic that narcissists use to pull you in really quickly. They make you feel like you're the only person in the world. Meanwhile, there's probably like 37 others at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like this love bombing. He's trying to move things along really fast. And I kind of think I'm in like this fairy tale relationship. It's the gifts and the notes and the, you know, presents and the, you know, fancy dining and concerts and all of this stuff that... Casanova. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like people think is really great. Right. I won. I got the man of my dreams and this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And what's interesting is a lot of people are like, how did that happen to you? Like, you're so smart. Look, it doesn't have anything to do with how smart you are. Like these people are, they are good at manipulation Mm -hmm. and gaslighting and their craft. So anyway, I fall in love and I meet his kids and I fall in love two more times. 
I mean, I fall in love with these kids and then before I know it, they're moved in, you know, obviously they have a wonderful mother and, you know, they spend at that point, they were spending about 60% of the time with her and then 40% with us. But, you know, I have a kid's bedroom in my house now and, you know, they are, you know, with me almost half of the time. And all of a sudden, you know, things are going so well. We're doing all these vacations. And there was a point, I don't want to give away too That's much of the say. details. Don't give it all. Don't give the farm away. <laughs> I won't give the farm away. You have to read it, you guys. Yeah. But what I will tell you is there were some times where I ignored my intuition and the red flags. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm coming home from a trip and I get a message from a friend who wants to meet. And, you know, again, here I thought things were going so well. And I was like, ooh, what's wrong? What does she need? I need to I need to be there and I want to go in and I want to support her and be a good friend. And this is at like almost 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night. I literally flew home from a work meeting from Birmingham, Alabama, and I land and I go meet this friend on a Tuesday night. Like, look, I'm not a Tuesday night no. cocktails kind of gal. Like, I like to be in bed by then right and so like I said I'm going in with the mindset of like how do I go in be a good friend and support her and I walk in and she's sobbing and I'm like oh my gosh like this is a big deal what is going on and then she displays this arrangement of evidence of lies betrayal deception about this guy that's living in my house like he's literally at home in my bed right now as not right now today, but in that moment, right? Like (laughs) in that moment, like, you know, she's displaying this arrangement of deception and lies and betrayal. And there are dates and names and locations. And so I instantly turn into like a detective. Right. And I'm like mapping out all this stuff. I swear all women are private investigators. Like when something happens, we're like, we are on it and we are going to figure it out. Yes. (laughs) And so I went home and I confronted him and he denied it looked me right in the eyes, denied it, just like he did all the other times when we had had, you know, when I kind of ignored the red flags and whatnot. But then the next morning, I was able to get that one piece of proof that made me know that everything was true. And the crazy thing is, is that I only put in the book things that I knew and had documentation and proof of. But let me tell you, Allie, there is a lot more that I knew or I suspected. And then so much more has happened in the past year since the book came out that has given more proof and documentation just of how much a fraud and a con man this guy is. I mean, we're talking like Dirty John. I was just going to say, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. And this guy is like walking our streets in Minneapolis. (laughs) Still. Still. And I just, I can't believe how, like, how do they survive is what I, like, yeah, you can be a con man and all that, but like, like you talk about the concerts that you guys went to and the trips you took, which I know a lot of it was on you. Yes. But I know like you had to come up with the money somewhere. Like how are you just in credit card debt to the hills? Like what, how are you doing this? And that's, I think, one of the things to look out for. Like, if something doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. it's nonsensical. Right. Right. So if the financial component's not adding up, like, I mean, this guy took advantage of me financially, emotionally, physically, mentally. And, you know, like I said earlier, people are like, but you're a smart girl, Jenny. Again, like, their manipulation and the tactics that they use and everything he does is a front, mm-hmm. like financially. Like he, you would think that this guy is loaded, but let me tell you, he's broke as a joke. Like <laughs> there, like he doesn't have a dime to his name, but mm-hmm. yet he's like rolling around now, I guess, in a brand new Mercedes. Um, but like you said, how does that happen? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but everything that he puts on, you know, it's like this whole image in this front that he puts on, but it really is jarring. And I know there's other women that have gone through this or are still going through this as they're reading my book and finding out like in the past couple of weeks, like, oh my gosh, this is the guy I've been dating and he's nothing like he portrays himself to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's like when you wake up one day and you, like for me, for example, I wake up one day and I have this family And then the next day, my life is nothing of what I thought it was. 
And I just love how you just were, you stuck to your, when you were done, you're done. Oh, yeah. Like, me and Samantha, Sam, my co-host, always say, like, when we're done, we're done. Like, you didn't need that closure. You need, just get, go. Yes. I got the closure I needed. Goodbye. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, I'm very much, I make decisions based on evidence mm-hmm. and facts. And once I had that evidence, for me, like I said, that was when I knew everything was yes. true. And then for him, from there on out, I just knew it would be all logistics. He never, even when I like packed up all his stuff and put it in the garage and the day he came to pick everything up, he never could even look at me. No. So it's like when you... You're caught red-handed. Dude. Yes. And when you let a narcissist know that you see them for who they are without mm-hmm. their mask, they become the biggest cowards. Yes. Like, they cannot face you. They, like, he just knew that I saw him mm-hmm. for who he is. And so I think he's a little bit scared of me. I mean, and you, we're sitting here together. I'm like the least scary person, <laughs> but but that's scary for them mm-hmm. when you actually see them for who they are. Right. You know, like you know, like I said, there's a lot of things in the that I don't have in the book, like my suspicion of him and drugs and the financial situations and being on like kinky swingers sex sites mm-hmm. and all of that's fine like I'm not saying that to shame anybody yeah. but when you portray yourself as something really different as like this you know that you're in a monogamous relationship right. and that you're financially well set you know mm-hmm. like well off and it just it really changes things well it's just there's two sides of you like you're two-faced almost like I get this one side of you and then everybody else gets this other side and who are you really yeah. here And when you say everybody else, you're not joking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we don't know the extent of the everybody else even yet at this point. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I just, when I was reading it even, and I loved how you put things. First of all, the chapters are so, I love how you broke it out. They were easy reads. I wrote, or I read this on my way to Wisconsin Dells and my husband was like wow it takes a lot for you to actually sit and read a whole book in like a day and a half I was like I'm obsessed with this book and wondering just because I have a a situation kind of similar I wasn't romantically involved with a man but I was in a work relationship with a man and he, I was, I was like, is this him? Like I was reading the pages going, wow, that sounds exactly like him. And it's so funny. Like when you, have you interviewed like a, a doctor or something that gives you kind of their diagnosis of like, yes, they're a narcissist, like, but is there something else with the personalities? Like what are they diagnosed as? Well, they will tell you that they go to therapy. And um, so this is another thing. Oh, we could go on. We could have like three more podcasts about this stuff. So yes, on my own podcast called Drinking with Jen, I do bring on expert guests. So I've had on psychotherapists. I've had on a guy who's a former FBI agent, and he's a best-selling international author of like 14 books. His name's Joe Navarro. Okay. So when you talk about someone who specializes in dangerous personalities. Mm -hmm. So he kind of talks a lot about predators. I would definitely say Chad is a predator. Mm -hmm. Um, I, and again, I'm not diagnosing, but the way that Joe Navarro um, portrays things, it's not really a diagnosis. Okay. And no one's going to diagnose someone without seeing them. Right. But I also had on recently a PhD. So he's a doctor, but not, he's like, I'm not a uh, psychologist, but we talked afterwards and he was like, tell me a little bit more about your story. And he goes, this guy sounds like a psychopath, like legit sociopath, psychopath, predator, narcissist, like he kind of like wrapped them all mm-hmm. in in one. And one of the other things to to watch out for is one of the women that recently came forward to me after finding out and reading my book, she had been seeing this guy on and off for years and she confronted him and sent him a picture of my book and his reaction was I've been in therapy and on the verge of suicide because of this. And that really makes me angry because no one should be making light of suicide. Right. And, you know, for someone like him to then use that, and as soon as people let him know that you're seeing him without his mask, then they turn into the victim. Yes. And so that's always like kind of a, you know, a red flag. And there's a scene in in the book where it was the first time when I kind of confronted him on something and it was like well I you know my dad abandoned me when I was little 
And again, nobody should be making light of someone being no, abandoned. No, But it didn't but have anything to do just with that situation. Exactly. We can all sit and say, I was abandoned my, by my dad. Like, I'm not over here being a psychopath. So Right. Yeah, I'm not over here choosing to right. um, damage and yes. be destructive to <laughs> exactly. other people. Yes. Exactly. And I just, you also put in there too, when you're going through, like, because we've all been with a man that has said, oh, she's just crazy. My ex is just crazy. And when you wrote that and you said what you said, I was like, oh, thank you. Because as women, we don't want to hear that a woman is crazy. Like, what did you do to her to make her crazy? Yeah, Um. you just saw me take like the biggest breath in because that is one of my triggers is like, oh, well, she's crazy. And now that's what he's saying about his most recent public girlfriend. I say public girlfriend because there's always, a you know, a whole yeah. bunch of ladies going on at the same time. But now he's saying she's crazy. Well, you know what? You make us do crazy things that we wouldn't normally do because you are gaslighting and manipulating. Right. And And, making us feel like we're crazy. Yes. And also, like, I always say that, like, narcissists are like, you know, when they say, oh, she's crazy, like, my ex is crazy, like, what they're really saying is, I gaslit you, I manipulated you to make you do things, and also, you saw me without my mask for who Mm -hmm. I really am. And then that's kind of, like, their only defense. Like, I have multiple screenshot text messages of him telling people that I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So uh, a, a, a gal that I know, she reached out to me and was like, oh my gosh, you have to connect with Ginny. And I was like, she's like, she wrote a book and her story is really similar to your story that you went through. And I was like, okay. So here we are connecting. And I just, I really, when I got done with your book, I just like wanted to cry for you in a way because it just was like, everything that you went through and you just poured yourself out there and like you said like you were just out here helping all these women so number one thank you for Mm. being vulnerable and thank you for giving women a platform to really and men for that matter because there are there actually are some crazy women out there as well too but a platform to really share our stories and what we go through and it's okay to be vulnerable and share it and yes like you just said we are the victims but we have to go through that post-traumatic growth to get through it all because I went through um a couple years ago I had separated from my husband I was on a real estate team And we were at a seminar um, and there was this guy sitting behind me and we just got to talking and I started out my real estate career in new construction. He had been a project manager before and we just connected on a different level. Well, the love bombing started Mm -hmm. to start, right? And I was like, why does this guy keep texting me like finding excuses to talk to you right like you're like okay like is he interested in me what what's the dealio and so long story short I this man basically made me feel like I needed to leave this real estate team and come partner with him and so I like betrayed all of my best girlfriends on this real estate team because I was so manipulated that I like they didn't even like me right like it just shows how manipulative somebody can be so left that and it just got crazier and crazier as our business relationship went on I was getting all these phone calls from these different women that he was dating them and I would be like hey are you dating so and so like I don't care that you're dating them but like I don't want to be portrayed as your girlfriend like we are in a work relationship but we got super close we were like best friends I was separated he was single our kids were the same ages and it was just kind of like this is easy it was like we had this emotional connection to each other and we were selling real estate which is my passion and it just got crazier and crazier where it was like you need to get restraining orders on these girls 
because they kept contacting me saying he's saying this about you and but nobody was sending me any evidence of it and he just kept saying these girls are crazy and I'm like okay so just continuing down this path well the decision was made for me this was my livelihood right so not only I chose to get back together with my husband we were trying to work on things and the relationship my work relationship was going fine but it was just every day something else coming up now he's not dealing with clients and I have to be the one to pick up all these pieces and deal with the clients and he was MIA just like how you would talk about with Chad how he would cancel Mm -hmm. on his clients for their personal training session like so many parallel similarities with this well what ended up is I he got involved with somebody in the real estate industry And they ended up putting a restraining order on him. And it was either he was going to have to jump, he had to switch brokerages, really. And he was like, are you coming with me? And that was where it was like, I had to just be like, no, I am done. You have put, my reputation is now getting pulled down because of you. Good for you. I mean, sometimes we have to make those hard decisions in order to move our lives forward. And yeah, what's interesting too is a lot of times they'll do the love bombing and then they'll discard, Mm -hmm. but then they'll hoover. And Mm -hmm. so what that means is then they'll try to get you back because it's all about power and control for them to fill that void of their inability to actually have empathy or care or compassion or feelings you know, like I said, or compassion for another human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just intense. I just can't believe how many stories there that goes on with these for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'm sorry that happened. Oh, like you said, like the, the post-traumatic growth, like I am at the top of my career at this point. So does everything happen for a reason? Yes, it does. But when you're in the thick of it, and it was during COVID and it was like we it was there was so much uncertainty with everything. I was separated. It was I have one income coming in. Like I can't leave this person because he is helping bring in income for my my boys, right? So it, it was really mind fucking really yeah. that comes down to it. And then the fact of just the women that were harassing me with it. And just like, I don't want anything to do with him. Do we have an emotional connection? Do we talk like we're best friends? Absolutely, we do. We're in business together. This is what it's supposed to be. And she would just be like, you're crossing the line. And I'm like, I didn't even know you two were dating. You're like, I didn't know you existed. Right, exactly. But that's kind of like you said, the red flag is the love bombing. Yes. And, you know, if you look at people with these types of personalities, they don't have any long term standing relationships. It's always the next best person that they put on a pedestal. They pull them in. They're really now they have this new best yes. friend that's the best thing in the whole world or the new girlfriend that's the best thing in the whole world. And then all of a sudden they're the ones that are always wronged, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're the ones that are always wronged. They're always the victim, but yet it's this revolving door of either friendships or relationships, but they don't really have anybody. It's got to be pretty lonely. It has to be because who really knows your true authentic self? Yeah. Who are you? You don't even know who you are for that matter. Yeah. You just put on this facade and you're a pathological liar with things. And like, do you believe your own lies? I think they do. I mean, I think you'd have to in order to be lying at that, you know, in that capacity. I always say that Chad should teach like um, a course on time management because how do you find the time for all these women? And if you used your powers for good, what could you accomplish? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, Yeah. But it just shows women like you can be not romantically involved with somebody even and this can happen to you. And just the when when I did end the the business relationship, all the women and my friends that came out and were like, yeah, I never trusted him or yeah, he was messaging me on social media and I had to block him like just 
crazy things where I'm like, why did nobody tell me this? Or was I just had these rose colored glasses on and didn't want to believe any of it. But just like you said, those red flags that kept coming up, like, hmm, did she really key your car? Like what? Like, oh, yeah, the key car, the mm -hmm. car keen. Mm -hmm. That's I think that sometimes we do want to see the best in people. Right. And so some, and too, like in the situation with Chad, like his actual girlfriend at the time of the publication of my book had reached out to me. I spent three hours with her. I held her hands. I cried with her. I validated her. I gave her more information than I'd even shared in the book. And then she went back because it was so hard to believe that someone could be so destructive right. and so evil and such a monster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Part of it, you know, irked me because I was like, you betrayed my trust. Like this right. was like yeah. woman to woman. Like mm -hmm. I was trying to help you and like mm -hmm. save you. And, you know, she went back and kind of betrayed me. But, you know, sometimes people have to learn and find things on their own time. And one of the things I wanted to say too, and going back to when you were talking about this place that you were at in your life, as you were going through this with your, your coworker and you were going through things with your marriage at the time and it's affecting your career and Sometimes it feels like we're in that dark place, almost like you're a seed buried underneath the earth. But where post-traumatic growth comes in, it's making that choice to realize that you're actually a seed planted. And like, this is your opportunity to grow. And it might feel really hard in that time, but post-traumatic growth really is a choice. And, you know, you have to take the steps in order to do that. And then to your point, too, about these toxic people in relationships, it's not just romantic. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I started to realize in my process is I kind of talk about it as like this game of whack-a-mole. It was like I got rid of Chad and then the next most toxic person like came up and I had to like whack-a-mole right. them out of my life. And there's one, you know, I talk a lot about the gray rock method, which is a method that you can use when you are dealing with a narcissist. It's basically you become as uninteresting as possible, right? like a gray rock. Yes. And I had to do that with one of my friends that I realized was really toxic and unhealthy mm -hmm. for me in my life. Um, and sometimes that is part of the, the growing journey is having new people and new experiences and new locations and a new mindset. Right. And so embracing that new can be a really important part of that growing forward. And just like I was going to ask you, like how hard was it for you for a while to let people back in? You know, what's interesting for me is for whatever reason, um, it, it does initially make you kind of question everything. You're like, what is reality? What is not? Who Who is really who they say they are? Mm -hmm. But I was really quickly easy to identify that it wasn't that there was something wrong with me, that this was a him issue. Yeah. And I think that helped me, you know, kind of catapult quicker. But trust me, I mean, I didn't get out of bed for days. I had like right. the adrenaline rush. I couldn't sleep. My mm -hmm. body temperature couldn't regulate. My life was just like one day it's there, one day it's yeah. gone. Like that's normal things for you to happen. Yeah. To. And then it's like going back to work and people asking about him and the kids. And it's like, you know, it was like humiliating at yeah. first, but we shouldn't be. And that's a big part of the reason why I shared right. my stories, because these are the things that happen to everyday people in everyday life, mm -hmm. not just the like the dirty Johns that get put on a Netflix series right. or, you know, it made out of made a movie out of. Mm -hmm. But that's my goal is to be able to help real people in real life acknowledge what's happening and be able to come out better on the other side, because yeah. I sure have. And I know that if I can, anybody can. Right. Definitely. <laughs> And so how did you, you know, like back to dating life, like, are you, have you dated? Are you wanting to date anybody or are you just like, yeah, I'm, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. So I have dated. Um, I haven't had like a long-term serious relationship since then. I mean, it's only been a few years, right. but, um, I'm open mm -hmm. and, the thing that I'll say now is I'll be a lot more discerning. I'll ask a lot more questions. You know, I obviously have a lot more awareness. I also know who I am so much more. So I know what I'm willing to accept and not willing to. And this person that comes into my life, which I do think that there's someone coming very soon, mm -hmm. um, he's going to have to provide a lot of value because yes. I have a really good life. Yes. And I feel like when you become really authentically, truly who you are and you know that person, 
you are going to be a little bit more discerning and looking at the value that the other person's going to bring. Also knowing that you're going to bring a lot of value to their life. Right. right? And just the fact of you got to, you got to have a life. Like you need your own life because I have this awesome life over here and I want you to be a part of this life. But if you're going to get jealous or anything about where I'm at, like this isn't going to work. Yeah. And also accepting the fact, and I think some people might think this is a little weird. To me, it's one of the best parts of the story is like, I never really had the urge to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if I'd be good at it because I don't really have a good relationship with my own mom. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things I'm like, Ooh, is it genetic? Like, am I going to be terrible at this? And so I never had kids of my own, but these kids call me their bonus mama. Mm-hmm. I'm still in their lives. And so anybody that comes into my life is going to have to accept that. Yes. We see each other. We have a relationship. I have a really solid friendship with mm-hmm. their mom. We go on spring break together. We are family. Like we are family still. And that's a really important piece because for me, knowing that I or feeling like I grew up with unconditional love from only one parent And every kid deserves unconditional love from two. Like I get to be that second unconditional love parental support and figure for them Mm -hmm. because they deserve that. They do. Mm -hmm. Everybody deserves that. And I love that you say that because there are so many times that like me as a child, like my dad was kind of in and out of my life and it was a different woman almost every time. And I hated that. Like I would get close to these, these mom figures and then they just poof be gone and so it the fact that you said no I'm staying here for these kids that says a lot about you for sure well and it says a lot about their mom that she wanted that for them too and you know there were some bumps along the road certainly Mm -hmm. and and still like just like with any family relationship or close relationship it's not perfect Mm -hmm. but we love each other Mm -hmm. and you know at the end of the day that's what really counts yeah it does absolutely so what's next are you writing another book Ooh, so I am working on a second book. It's going to be a little different. It's not going to be like a, I I know people kind of say this feels like reading a novel. Yeah. You know, so it's not going to be a memoir. It's going to be a totally different format, but it's going to be tied into all the other work that I'm doing. So right now I do keynote speaking. I have my own podcast, Drinking with Jen. Um, And then I developed a coaching program kind of based on my own path that I went through. So those are kind of the four pillars right now of my business. That'll keep you busy. Yeah, and it's a lot. It's great. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know you talked about like during like what's your day job basically? Like how how can people find you number one and number two? Like what what's a day in the life of Ginny look like? Well, right now I'm doing a lot of this. So in the next two weeks, I have five podcast guests that where I'm the guest and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so, so exciting. Um, So a day in the life looks like podcasting, speaking, you know, working on the next book and then my coaching program. But people can find me on my website, which is JinnyPream.com. And there you can like book me for speaking. Um, You can see stuff about the podcast, the coaching program, or about the book. You can read the first chapter of the book on my website. That's how she got me, you guys. (laughs) She's like, go on my website and read the first chapter. And it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, okay, fine. And I went on there and I was like, oh no, I need to order this book right now because I need to know what happened. (laughs) Even though you knew I was going to bring you a copy. But yeah, no, I love that. So you can go read the first chapter and then also makes a great book club book. So I have a book discussion guide that's free on my website that you can download. And if you just want to hang out with me, well, the best place to buy my book is on Amazon. It's just Mm -hmm. easy. You know, you can either buy it as a Kindle version, download it immediately, or it ships in a couple of days, you know, um, off of Amazon. But if you just want to hang out with me, hang out with me on Instagram. Okay. And that's also at Ginny Prem. Perfect. My name very, Easy. very creative mm-hmm. over here. <laughs> but that's what it should be. Your brand is you. And so they say the branding experts that keep it simple. Like keep it simple. That's all of it. mine. It's my LinkedIn, my Facebook, mm-hmm. my Instagram, my website, all of it. Mm-hmm. So it just keeps it consistent. For sure. And so do you still jet off all the time? I love all of your travels in the books. I'm like, this girl, like you said, it's like a Netflix series. She's got it going on. I'm like, where's she off to next? I love to travel. So this year already I've been to Switzerland, which was... one of my favorites. Oh my gosh. I know. And you're a top podcast in Switzerland, which is amazing. (laughs) You have, have you been to Montreux? 
No, I have not. You have to go to Montreux. That was my favorite spot. It is stunning. No wonder Queen recorded so much of their music there. Um, And then later on this year, I am going to the Hamptons, which I've never been to. Very excited. I have a very fancy friend that I travel with. And then we're also planning to do Italy redo. So spoiler alert, there is a trip to Italy in here, but I'm not going to go to those same places. I'm going to go to um, do like the Tuscany, Florence type of trip in the fall. So yeah. Yeah. Fun. So Jenny has a book that she is giving away that we have. So we're going to do, when this airs, we'll put a little giveaway going on that one of you lucky listeners can grab one of her books and read it. Um, other than that, gosh, I feel like I have so many more things that I want to say. Anything that you want to tell the listeners No, I mean, just if you're going through a hard time, there is light on the other side. And by talking about these things, we can provide validation and create a really beautiful community and culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So don't be afraid of talking about your story. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tune in next week as Samantha, or as I call her, Sam because she's my best friend and I'm allowed to, we dive into more of this subject and hear more stories about women and what they have gone through in relationships, business relationships, being the daughter of a narcissist, all all the ugly things that nobody talks about. So I hope that you have an amazing week and Thank you for all the support. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please, please go onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you stream and give us a five-star review. It only helps increase our message. And go give us a follow on our social media platforms. We are trying really hard to build these and we put out a lot of information for you if you enjoy our topics on here. You can find us at at the underscore Twisted Sisters Podcast on Instagram and then the Twisted Sisters Podcast on TikTok and Facebook. And you can email us if you have want to be anonymous and give us a submission. You can email us at hello at the Twisted Sisters Podcast.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters Podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted.